this special video episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want on Dating Kinky's YouTube channel is presented by Dating Kinky. It's built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions. John, or as he is known around the kink and fetish community, hi there, Catsuit. Hello, everyone, and to our listeners, welcome. Welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, and I am pleased and proud to be joined by the person who I met as the vendor coordinator for FetishCon, but she wears a lot more hats than that, Liz River. Liz, thank you so much for hosting us. I greatly appreciate it. It's so my pleasure. I'm so, I'm so happy to be with you and to be doing this. I'm excited. So I talk about the fact that you wear so many hats. So as we always do, we do a first five, five questions about first. Okay. What was the first hat you ever wore? Oh, oh, like literally? No, as in, as in oh. a job that you did in this wonderful community. Uh, oh, that's a good question. So I think the first job that I ever did, I got through um, one model place. And uh, it was for a cast fetish, actually. Yeah. And um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I was pretty young. But uh, those guys ended up being super cool. And we're actually still friends, like, to this day. And that was, like, many years ago. <laughs> when was your first inkling that you were kinky? Um, that's a really good question. I actually think, like, I was probably, like, four honestly and I couldn't I couldn't really put my finger on like the moment or anything but I just remember um, finding or seeing something like a movie you know something really mainstream and just thinking like I, I would be such a good captive like I remember <laughs> thinking like if I got kidnapped I would be the best like you know, now we would say damsel in distress, but mm -hmm. I didn't know that then. But I was like, I would be so, I would be such a great captive. I would be so good if I was kidnapped. <laughs> when did you have your first experience of being captive? Oh, that's a really great, great question. I think, uh, I honestly think it was at work. I don't think I really explored anything kinky that I can remember in my personal life until after I started this work. I think before that I just was kind of um, too, like, uh, timid, I think, mm. you know. As, as somebody who's a little more naturally, like, submissive, I think it was too hard of a conversation for me to be starting. So I was just sort of waiting for someone else to bring it up, I think. <laughs> what were your emotions doing your first scene? Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's also a great question. So I think, wow, you're really asking me to like reach way back there mm -hmm. in the time machine. <laughs> uh, I think I was mostly excited. I was really happy to be doing something that felt like art and something that felt weird because I am weird. I do that weird thing you like. And I think I was just happy to be, I felt like I had found my people. I felt mm -hmm. like I had found my tribe. You know, I think we all in some ways feel like we're kind of on the fringe of society, even if we have like mainstream jobs and, and mainstream lives. There's just something that makes us feel kind of sometimes isolated. So it's mm -hmm. nice when you just happen upon this other group of people who are like-minded and, and warm and welcoming and not very judgmental, which is rare, you know, outside of these circumstances, I feel like. Speaking of judgmental, and you're going to find this to be kind of an interesting way of asking this question. Okay. But you were involved in the pageant community. <laughs> yeah. 
where you're being judged on everything. <laughs> yeah. What was it like being judged for your outward appearance? Sure. So I think um, that's such a good question. I, it was a long time ago, so it's kind of hard to remember how I was feeling, like when it was happening. Um, I mean, I, I get. I mean, obviously, I think, and I don't speak for everybody, but for myself, at that time, I really just was looking for some validation, which is mm -hmm. kind of how I got into that situation. And I, I, I kind of just wanted. I just wanted to be the prettiest one. So I can't really remember what it was like, like what I was feeling when I was being judged, other than like I just really wanted to win. But I don't, I couldn't tell you how I felt as I was being, like how I felt about being judged, because I really did pick it for myself. My parents didn't choose mm -hmm. that for me or anything like that. It was like totally up to me to, to get there and to figure out how to get the money and the clothes and everything. So I'm not really sure. I can't really remember like how I felt as I was being judged, but I have always kind of vacillated between being super shy and like wanting to perform. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe that kind of hit a happy medium for me because I didn't have to do that much, but I was still in a way performing. Have you had a first time where you realized you didn't need that validation? You were happy with who you were as you are? Well, <laughs> the last patch that I was in, I won. And I think <laughs> that's probably not when I felt like I, I didn't feel like I was like I had self-possessed of that validation. I think at that point I was like, okay, I won. This is as far as this is going to take me. And, I, you know, when I first started doing pageants, it was a long time ago, and it used to be a really great way to get, uh, you know, a, an interview or a meeting with somebody in television or mm -hmm. TV. So that was my initial goal. And by the time, you know, I had reached a certain age, that, that was no longer the case. And it also was just my goals were changing. So I think that in terms of internal validation that came way way later like mm. like like 10 years later i think that came out of a totally different situation but i think making my own money and making my own choices and doing what i want to do without taking into consideration how other people like feel about mm -hmm. what i do for a living cuz it's nobody's right to say that really mm -hmm. so once i got to that point then i really felt like fulfilled through my own self on the inside but that came way later i mean i had to be like 35 or something so this was way way later i would say fairly recently <laughs> and that's all about in the timeline but that must have made you move into a new chapter in your life where it was more about the you on the inside rather than the package on the outside. It really did. Yeah, it really did. And it's interesting too, because there's something about like, I mean, women specifically, just because like, you know, I, I can't speak to being any other gender, but um, there's something about getting to that point in your life too, where you kind of just don't care anymore what mm. other people think and you almost it it almost makes you hotter <laughs> <laughs> like i think it i think there's something about um like not caring what other people think to a certain degree you know um and doing what you really know is right for you in your heart of hearts or what feels good for you without hurting anyone else i mean unless they like it mm -hmm. <laughs> um there's something about that that just that's that inward out coming from the inside and, and radiating out that really changes how hot you are. <laughs> you can see it in other people, I feel yeah. like. Do you ever get used to people seeing you in an objectifying way? 
Oh, um, I guess I don't think about it like that a lot. Mm. I, I feel like maybe because I'm, I start it or something, I don't really think mm. about it as being objectified or, or maybe I feel like, maybe I'm delusional and I feel like it's really about my personality. <laughs> so, well, that actually <laughs> leads into what I was going to talk to you about. Okay, great is that you are obviously a, a gorgeous woman. Thank you. You present yourself extremely well. Thank you. But the first time I talked to you, I was just bowled over by, here is this amazing human who is kind, who doesn't seem like the world's beaten her up, who genuinely is like, I'm ready for whatever the next adventure is. And I don't meet too many people like that, especially in this day and age. Especially people who are beautiful, who know that they're being leered at by guys, but still have this heart of, I believe in the good things. And it instantly made me go, Gosh, I want to talk to this person. I'm so glad. I'm glad we're talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't say that like life hasn't, you know, thrown me a couple crappy hands, but you play the ones you dealt, right? And I just, uh, I don't know. I kind of just feel like it's not, it's, it's just not over yet, right? And so I just don't want to get sucked into. It's a double-edged sword because sometimes something happens and I'm like, wow, like I'm still kind of naive. Like I'm a little old to be naive, but I feel like the alternative is to be jaded. And mm -hmm. I just can't, I just don't want to get sucked into that like whirlpool of, of like negativity maybe. So I kind of just feel like if I, there's like, I feel like if I set the tone, then like, maybe, mm -hmm. hopefully in a perfect world, then I will be met there, right? So then we can all be like friendly and warm. There's room for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I don't see what the point is in, you know, not being hopeful. I just think we all, we're all working on it. And I don't know. I think if we're just nice to each other, that sounds hokey. Like it'll, it, I think it's gonna be fine. <laughs> And I think kindness, obviously I go and teach classes all over the country about kindness, but it's something that a lot of people, not only have, do they have trouble being kind to others, but they have trouble being kind to themselves. Oh, I mean, I don't even know. I try really hard. So, and I don't even remember who said this to me, but somebody said, would you talk to your best friend like that? Like, think of something mm -hmm. you say to yourself. Would you treat, would you let anybody else say that to your best friend? And if the answer is no, you shouldn't be talking to yourself like that mm -hmm. because you shouldn't be, you should be your own best friend in a way because like you've got to be your own cheerleader. Like if you're, you've got to like rally around yourself. So it's important not to like beat yourself up. I'm not that great at that part though, actually. I, that one's like still a work in progress. Being nice to other people is not really a problem for me because I want everybody to win. Like, that, that part's not that hard for me usually, but I don't know, that other part. What's your favorite trait of your best friend, meaning <laughs> you? What is the thing you love about yourself? Uh, okay, sure. Maybe it is that I don't give up. Like, I really just won't give up. I, I, I don't like giving up at all. And it may take me a really long time to get something done, and it may take me a really long time to figure something out but I don't give up at all, like at all. You are about to be the fetish coordinator for FetishCon, which we're both looking forward to going as this show airs. It is this week. I'm so excited. What is the one thing that makes you more excited than anything else about that? Oh, about, about FetishCon? Mm -hmm. So my favorite thing about FetishCon, it's so hard to pick, but 
being on staff is is so my favorite and now this is my second year as the vendor coordinator mm -hmm. so i do my favorite thing about FetishCon is making as solving as many problems as possible so that so that everyone is in a perfect world everyone there is having an absolute blast and any problem that i can solve or fix or like resolve in whatever way i will i'll do it like if i can if i can if there's a way i will find it and and we're gonna all have a good time mm -hmm. gosh darn it <laughs> <laughs> so that's my favorite thing i like i really like helping people that's that's true it's real so the vendors at FetishCon, I love the diversity in them yeah. because you have people who are mom and pop stores who make a product and they, this is their year. This is their opportunity to get their, their things out to the world. Yeah. Then you have people like uh, Lou Rubens and Jim Hunter, who have been there forever, mm -hmm. going, hmm, how can we make people take a look at some of the stuff we're doing. Yeah. Is there one that's more fun to work with than the other, or is the discovery of the new people just so much fun? I, I, <laughs> I don't, you know what? Asking me to say who my favorite vendor is, is like asking I'm, me no, to I'm not tell asking you who you my to, favorite kid is. Right. Like, I can't. I'm not asking you to pick a favorite vendor, <laughs> okay. but a, a favorite type a vendor, somebody that really resonates with what that show is all about. Oh, I mean, I think that show is all about the fact that there's room for every every kind of vendor and every kind of attendee. Uh, personally, the ones that speak to me the most are the ones that are making their own things or are having them handcrafted because I also, I sew costumes, neither mm -hmm. one of these costumes, but other really <laughs> great costumes. And so that kind of speaks, I mean, we're all creators, right? Because mm -hmm. we create content. I mean, um, I do really like the people who are making, there was a girl last year who had made the tiniest little like Starbucks cup and it was like <laughs> pink. And then it said, instead of Starbucks, it said something, you know, pervy on it and mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was and I, of course her name escapes me but I just love you know discovering new things like you said but I love the I love all of the vendors equally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is the thing the one thing that somebody has brought to FetishCon to vend that you went this surprises me? Uh, oh um well, the first one that comes to mind is the company that brings uh, stuffed animals that you can like, you can put them together, you can pick their outfits and their little, they they can be like this small mm -hmm. and they, they can wear like little harnesses and you can pick a little ball gag for them and stuff. <laughs> and I love that. That was, that's, that's something that I, that had not occurred to me mm -hmm. and they must do amazing because that, that, that is the most adorable. There's so many options too. And it's inc it's incredible. So that was one where I was like, "You guys know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like that must be game busters." I wish I had thought of that one for sure. It's like build a bondage bear. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. I, that's not the name of it, but I, I can totally see that how yeah. I could do that. It's so, they're so cute. Yeah, and it can be a bunny. It can be they're adorable. Yeah, I love it. What's the most fun thing you've seen a vendor do to bring attention to their booth? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I think the most fun thing a vendor can do to bring attention to their booth is, is, um, like be really nice to me. <laughs> you heard it here. Be nice to Liz. <laughs> but I, uh, I like it when they have models in their booths, obviously. I like it when they, um, being a model myself also, I like it when they have somebody you know, doing what, just honestly demonstrating whatever their item is, that's always a great, a great way to draw people in. When you talk about working a booth, mm -hmm. it's work. Mm -hmm. It is being present there. It's not like you can go just have a fun social time. You have to be present in your booth yeah. to be successful. That's true. How do you get through the endurance of that? 
Well, um, having, having been in a booth during a convention also, um, I mean, I'm lucky in my position. Uh, I'm mostly moving around a lot of the time. So for me, it's kind of, that's, that's easier than what the vendors are dealing with. Um, I think that's a really tough question. That's probably going to vary based on like who the vendor is and and what I think everybody has their own kind of ways of handling that but you know for me it it's going to be somebody in the booth who who wants to talk to people because that is part of it but also you almost can't want it too bad you know what I mean mm -hmm. like you can't be too you don't want to hassle people but you want to be ready to talk about it if they're if they want to know oh what is that like you know what kind of rope is that mm -hmm. or is that a ball gag? What is that? You know, <laughs> because you get a lot of people who are just like off the street who are just curious and they mm -hmm. really don't know. So it takes a special kind of person to be ready to, you know, have that conversation. But um, in terms of keeping energy up, uh, my personal tip is sugar-free Red Bull. I have a whole case. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And maybe some Excedrin, but I don't know. I, somebody else might have better tips than that. How do you keep control over not wanting everything that people bring in? Uh, this is actually a really tough one because I could so easily blow my whole paycheck for the week in that, in, on the vending floor. Um, and honestly, I say, go for it. If that's your feeling, you should just do it. I don't think you, I don't think you should talk yourself out of it. I think you should treat yourself. Mm. <laughs> What's your favorite thing you ever bought? My favorite thing I ever bought was probably um, at FetishCon. Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I've bought so many things. I My favorite thing right now is I have this like lavender rope, and I really like it. It's super pretty. I wish I had some hot pink rope, though. I'll be on the prowl for some, <laughs> you know, like hot pink Barbie mm -hmm. rope. Yeah, that's my new thing. Why do I think I'm going to see a lot of hot, hot pink Barbie pink. stuff yeah. this year? <laughs> I think you might. I think you might. <laughs> Let's talk about your modeling. And I'm actually going to start with one of the vendors there, Sandra Silvers. Yeah. Who I think, and I've wanted Sandra on the show, and I'm going to try to convince her when I see her again. She says, I'm very shy. I just don't do those types of things. But here is a woman who has constantly reinvented herself to even with the silver hair yeah create this amazingly wonderful persona and you get to work with her she's incredible what have you learned from her oh gosh i learned so every time i talk she's so generous with her knowledge by the way and not everybody is, but I have really good luck with this. But it's it's so um, it's really not that common. Some people, or it's a little more common now than it used to be. But um, she's she's so generous with her. If mm -hmm. you ask her anything, I mean, I've asked her things, mm -hmm. and she will just explain to me how she how she got to that conclusion or how she handles that. Um, but she does. She has like she just has a wonderful business acumen and she she's one of those people who really was just like born to do this I think mm -hmm. I mean she just really I can't even like picture this industry without her honestly and she has a wonderful you know set, she has a wonderful crew she has a wonderful set of people with her who um you know she works closely with that help her with you know the those those things like like branding and stuff like that and probably just I can't imagine how helpful it is to have somebody every day to just kind of riff and mm -hmm. bounce things off of. So um, I, I think that probably helps too. But she's incredible. I mean, I, I've learned so many things from her. I don't even know where to start. Every time I see her, I like literally write myself little notes in my phone, like things that <laughs> she says to me and the way she, you know, handles things so I can think about that next time. You said you have liked being captive since you were four yeah and being a damsel i definitely wanted to be yeah describe to me what it's like to be tied up for a scene what are the emotions that go through you and is there a certain feeling that 
put you in that perfect spot? So those are really great questions. Um, I think that uh, for me personally, there's something about being tied up that is really freeing. Um, and I could see why other people would feel the opposite because instinctually you would think that that's going to, you know, be a, a claustrophobic experience. But for me, it's not. But also knowing that knowing that I'm a masochist, which I actually learned later, that mm -hmm. like that's obviously part of the experience. And also knowing if you're, I mean, I would only get into that situation with someone that I trust. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that it can be over any any second if you really get into trouble and that you're with someone that you love and trust. I love everybody. It just happens. I can't help <laughs> it. Anyway, um, so if I've, if I've worked with you, I love you. Like we've talked about Aww. this. But, um, it's true. So I, I love you and I trust you. Then that means um, that I, I trust you to let me out if something really goes left. But it never has. And so knowing that you're kind of pushing your own limits and you're with someone who, you know, is interested in seeing you happy at the end of the day, even if you are suffering, but it's like consensual suffering, mm -hmm. then I think that, you know, that's, that's a sensational feeling. And the feeling of, of knowing that you can really just, it's crazy. It's crazy how like inward you can go. It must be like, meditating even though i i dislike like functional meditating mm -hmm. i cannot clear my brain like that mm -hmm. but if i'm if i'm totally tied up and i'm like bound and gagged and and it's going to be you know 10 or 15 minutes and we're doing some struggling that's that's when i can like kind of meditate it's like being mentally on like a second plane or something mm -hmm. because i'm there i'm present otherwise the clip would look insane but like you're, there's another like door opening mentally where you're kind of, I don't know, <laughs> you're kind of exploring your, your physical limits and mm -hmm. it's opening your, your mental capabilities at the same time. Do you feel like I do when the rope is being put on you that it's a sort of physical hypnosis? Maybe it is. Maybe that's, yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. There is like a, a ritual to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love how you talk about the freedom of being bound. Safest I ever felt was being really? put in uh, a dual layer cat suit and put into a body bag and strapped into the point where yeah. I could not move. Mm -hmm. It was the safest and most freeing place I ever felt. That's wild, isn't it? Because it takes away our responsibility to have to be for someone else. We can just be for us. Yeah, you're right. And to have that safety, to have that feeling, especially when you're with somebody you love or somebody you connect with. It is uh, Olivia Okula, who's a wonderful dominatrix from Los Angeles and Russia calls it the ultimate intimacy. I agree. Yeah, that's great. That's true. When you feel the ultimate intimacy, how good does it make you feel? It's honestly the most uh, euphoric experience for me. And it doesn't necessarily happen every time, but I think it's like runner's high. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it takes practice and it's not necessarily going to hits you every time, but uh, it, it, it is, it's a high. I mean, it is, it's, yeah, it's an ecstasy. I agree with that for sure. With all the different things that you do, there are some that are just totally fun. Yeah. And lots of laughs, and that's not just from tickling, but. <laughs> no, but I am really tickling. I'm actually, yeah, anyway, don't have, talk about I'll get tickled. I, okay. I have heard, and um, <laughs> I'm just going to take you at your word for it. Um, <laughs> But when you have those just super fun scenes, knowing that you can just let go, mm -hmm. the freedom of that has to be huge. I do love that. Um, I actually, I kind of like it both ways. There's not really, there's, there are really not 
a lot of scenes where I'm like, ugh, I really like all of it. I feel so lucky to be doing something that I love that is so every day is different. You know, um, I do like it when I was working with, you know, Sandra and mm -hmm. and Ben and um, they have a, a space that they work at that is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And um, so Ben says, you know, you're you're kidnapped in this scene. So just if you want to scream, just scream because nobody's going <laughs> to hear you. And I loved it. And I was like, this is my moment. Right. And so, like, I'm supposed to be scared. Sandra and I are both like tied and like hung up. Right. And she and we're our feet. Our ankles are tied together. It's it's so hot, and I and I was screaming bloody murder. And at one point, Ben stopped and he goes, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." And I was like, "That's how you know you're really like getting it." But I also like it when when there's a very particular script. I find that challenging, but I really like that too. I like to be. I love it when people are specific when they know exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. That makes me so happy because. I know I can give it to them. If you just tell me exactly what you want, I can give it to you. I know I can. <laughs> when you watch another damsel in distress, when you watch Sandra or a Christina Carter or Kendra James or any of these amazing bondage models, do you get excited from the appearance or are you like me wanting to get inside their head going, what does this feel like? Oh God, that feels good. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, um, I'm not even sure that I have thought about it like that. Mm. For me, I, I feel like every damsel's different and I do like watching all of them work. Mm -hmm. um, I like looking to see how it's like a fingerprint, even if we were all do the exact same thing. If you lined us all up and put us all in the same costume and in the same ties, you would not see two women do it exactly. Christina Carter and Kendra James and I are not going to do it exactly the mm -hmm. same. And it's like a fingerprint. Everybody has just their kind of signature way. And that it is fascinating to wonder for them, how is that getting translated mentally? Mm -hmm. um, that's a really great question. I don't know. Yeah. What's your fingerprint? Um, I think mine is, is I really want to give a good show, right? And I want to really go there. I want to really be like scared, hot and horny, you know, <laughs> and I want you to know it <laughs> like, cause that's kind of like, I'm a little scared. I'm a little hot and I'm definitely horny like mm -hmm. all the time. So like, I don't know, I guess that's my <laughs> interesting that you talk about scared, hot and horny. Because I've seen fetish moments that have no sexual charge, but every mental charge mm -hmm. that you can possibly have. Mm -hmm. When you feel that, is it possible to take the sex totally out of it and just allow your mind to have the vacation? Um, I mean, not for me, mm -hmm. but I think that's only just because like, I'm really, and I'm not trying to be funny or like glib, but I just think people just kind of sit different places on a sexual spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of like, like pulsate, just like vibrate sexually all the time. Mm -hmm. So like 99% of my thoughts are at least a little bit sexual, mm. but I'm not saying that it can't be non-sexual, but mm -hmm. I would say, d does that happen for me? Like, am I ever experiencing it and nothing about it mm -hmm. is sexual? No, I'm not going to lie. Interesting. Yeah. It's all a little, it's a little scared, hot, horny all the time for me. I mean, I'm professional, but mm -hmm. like, I'm, I would be lying if I said that like, you know, it's all just another day of work for me or whatever. It's always like, that was hot. <laughs> Obviously doing a scene in front of cameras and yeah. trying to figure out what that is like is one thing. But in your personal life, is there something that you enjoy that helps get you into the right headspace and and scared hot and horny scared, space? Hot and, horny. and Well, you know, it's funny you would ask me that because I, I kind of have anxiety. So I'm, I'm a little scared all the time in my personal mm. life. And then I just kind of run hot and horny. 
So uh, I think maybe just existing gets there. <laughs> I deal with anxiety too. So, right, and I, it's funny because, you know, like recently someone was asking me like, well, because we live near Kings Island, kind of, right. which is an amusement park. And, uh, you know, someone was like, do you, will you, do you have any interest in going? And I was like, I'll go, but I don't want to really get on the rides. And, you know, people are kind of want to understand where I'm coming from with that. And the thing is, is like everything is exciting for me because mm -hmm. of the anxiety. And sometimes I can uh, sort of harness it. And then it's like a pony and I turn it into excitement that I'm riding. But I don't need a roller coaster. That's mm -hmm. too exciting for me. I don't need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> in scenes, whether they be in front of a camera or not, Explain to me how important touch is to you. I think touch is always a factor, whether it is um, super present or super absent. Because the sensation, uh, no matter where you're at on the, on the ability, you know, like zero being no touch, and 10 being, you know, just fully hands, body, mm -hmm. everything. Uh, no matter where you are, the awareness of that level mm -hmm. is a huge part of it, I think. And as, even if it's zero, then you're just anticipating, you know, you can't not be touched forever, <laughs> right? So I think um, the, a sense of touch is like critical, it's crucial. Does it create a sense of longing for the touch when there isn't touch there? It sort of depends, I think, because not necessarily longing. I mean, I in my mind immediately goes to tickling. So let's say <laughs> if I'm like, uh, like blindfolded, for for mm -hmm. instance, like, um, then I, I don't know when I'm gonna be touched, right? And so. Sometimes that anticipation is like torturous. I'm actually starting to get giggly just thinking about it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like, I can feel nobody's even threatening to touch me and I can feel it speaking to my shoulder blades. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I think it can kind of go, I think it can kind of go either way. Not necessarily like longing for it, mm -hmm. sometimes almost dreading it, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of just depends on the scene. Yeah. Does sensory deprivation help you? Um, so I'm not a huge fan of it, like, uh, <laughs> recreationally, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like those, have you seen these or have you done it? Like the, there's like this pod you can go into. I keep hearing about them. I don't want to do that at all. That sounds mm -hmm. horrible to me, but people like rave about it. I, I don't, it's not something I'm interested in, but I have had like complete sensory deprivation is not something I have a long experience with, mm -hmm. but I did work with um, Morgan, the t he does tickling fetish. I think it's just Morgan fetish. Mm -hmm. It's gonna kill me, I don't know the name of it. Um, <laughs> I love him though, I love him so much. We'll just put it right down here yeah. if I remember to do that. I may not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he that's the only place I've experienced like full sensory deprivation. and. We talked about it ahead of time and he walked me through every single piece and I was and I'm down for it a hundred percent I've never really had that experience before I couldn't you know I'm blindfolded I have like these like some kind of sound you know like mm -hmm. like earplugs or something and of course I'm gagged and I was also in like strapped into like a body suit on a table and it's a tickling thing right so I cannot even hear you know anything like any kind of little buzzy utensils or mm -hmm. anything um and it was it was fantastic but i i have like a love hate relationship with being tickled and and like the sensory deprivation so it would kind of depend on the scenario i think because it really for me with the tickling it was it was fabulous. I actually almost rocked off the table because I kept thinking he was coming again and like the clip was over and I didn't know that. And I kept just like, I had, and I had slobber everywhere. My hair was all messed up, but it, you know, it wouldn't be a good time if you're, if your hair and makeup doesn't get messed up, <laughs> you're not at the end. <laughs> like, I don't know. You got ways to go, I feel like.
the difference between when you are on a shoot with a lot of people and when you're here in your own studio mm -hmm. working on your own yeah how do you get motivated to work on your own that is such a good question the answer is i don't know i i think um one of the most important things i've learned is that sometimes you just don't feel like it but if you start doing it um like uh, Francesca Woodman's father said she was like this artist and mm -hmm. her parents were artists and there was a documentary about her and her father said something that struck me um, and he said if you don't know what to do just go to your studio and sharpen your pencils mm -hmm. like just get started mm -hmm. and so working alone can be pretty hard I mean obviously during the pandemic a lot of us had to learn how to work alone mm -hmm. and I work alone a lot and there I sometimes motivation is not there and sometimes you just have to do it anyway so i can't really even say that when i work by myself that i that i have like a way to motivate myself because mm -hmm. i really just have a schedule and i try to stay on it and it can be brutal i mean you know it's easy to miscalculate how long something takes to do and mm -hmm. then um you just got to keep at it though you just have to chip away at it and um, whenever possible though honestly I try to have somebody at least come over so that I'm like have you heard about this it's called body doubling mm. so I'm not saying I have ADHD because I've not been like mm -hmm. medically diagnosed and I would never be so bold uh, this is just something I learned the name of after I had already been doing it and this is I guess what it's called so it's someone who is with you but not necessarily helping you mm -hmm. but having someone there helps you get things done mm -hmm. so I enjoy having someone even if they're not helping me I enjoy someone being in the studio because maybe it's a sense of accountability or something whereas like with a group shoot that accountability is to the people I don't want to let anybody mm -hmm. else down and I I don't want to give anybody anything bad to say about me <laughs> so I want to you know show up I want to be on time and I want to really knock it out of the park every time I don't ever want to mark the show like I always I want every I want every clip to be fantastic mm -hmm. it's really important to me this may be difficult for you to do but I'm gonna ask you to do it anyway okay, I'll try what is it gonna be how would others describe you oh I don't that is really hard. Okay, but based on some of the things you said to me before this, because <laughs> you were the last person I heard describe me, mm -hmm. and um, a conversation I had yesterday with another colleague, I'll change my I'll change my answer a little bit because of the feedback. Sometimes how we see ourselves and how other people see us are not the same mm -hmm. so that's I will... part of my class actually oh that's interesting <laughs> yes, it is. oh fascinating so based on that i will say i think other people would describe me as friendly charming <laughs> um cooperative that's it <laughs> that's, <all I> got. <laughs> that's as flattering as i could be to myself how was the, do you agree with that or how, what would you say? I think that the way you think of others and what you want to do for them makes you very much a service oriented person. You're right. I am. That's true. Your joys come from helping others. Yes. That can also lead to the danger of you not taking care of yourself. That is something I've had to work on like like recently, for mm -hmm. sure, because I had a friend who was talking about, because we give our friends the best advice, and mm -hmm. then you hear it, and you're like, oh, I could do that too, you know? And so she wants to get a second cat, and I'm like, oh, but you need to, the you're the baby, like, you don't need another baby, like another cat, mm -hmm. you need another, you need to take care of yourself. And you're right, it is a thing, I think, especially naturally submissive people can get kind of a blinder on about it no mm -hmm. pun intended that you know serving others which brings them great joy it's really hard to it feels very self-centered to 
to care about what's happening to yourself. But it's a huge part of how if you're not healthy and you're not well rested and you don't have any energy, how are you going to help anybody else? Mm -hmm. It's a tough one, though. Like, I feel like I'm only just now getting my grip on that, really. Well, we're going to take care of ourselves and take a little bit of a break. <laughs> and when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, we're going to delve in a little bit more to the modeling side of Liz River and also talk about things that make her happy. This is making me happy. Everything makes frankly. me happy, yeah. <laughs> I'll elaborate. When we come back in just a moment. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, joined by the amazing Liz River, who, as I mentioned at the start of the show, wears so many different hats. And you do some work for Clips for Sale on a consulting basis. I do, yeah. I'm, um, I'm part-time on the, on the creators team, so... Um, yeah, I just really look forward to, I, I, all I want to do is make people happy, happy. So anything I can do to help with the creator experience, Clips for Sale um, is the only place I've put my clips so far. Um, I know in a perfect world where everybody's everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, so far, I've not had that kind of time. So I started with Clips for Sale, and I've always been really happy with my experience there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, sometime at the end of last year, they kind of tapped me and asked me to kind of come on board and help with projects here and there. And it's been a really great experience. I think we're all learning from each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the number one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who's getting into content creation? Trust yourself hmm. is what it would be. If I, if I could only say one single thing, it would be trust yourself. If you want to stick your feet in a cherry pie, go for it. Somebody else out there is going to feel the exact same way you do about that. Mm -hmm. If you think it's hot, it's hot. That's it. I said to the folks from Clips for Sale, because I realized that their marketing is mostly towards the creators mm -hmm. as opposed to the audience. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you ever started an audience campaign, I think the tagline should be, you're not alone. That's pretty good, yeah. Because if you think of what Clips for Sale or any of the Clips places do, they make us realize that we're not alone. I agree. You're right. You're absolutely right. When was the moment you realized you weren't alone? Uh, I would say the minute I met, I met the guys that I did the cast fetish shoot with, which was my first fetish shoot, I realized... Um, yeah, that's when I was like, okay, these are my people. And I don't know if this was your experience, but I think this is a common experience anyway, at least for me. Um, I mean, my family is wonderful, but I just don't feel like a very deep, like closeness with them, you know? Mm. And I think that that's a common thing for people and and specifically for people who, you know, do what we do for a living. Mm -hmm. So to meet them and see that they were also like smart, witty, you know, mm -hmm. super funny, very fast with the jokes, very fast to get the jokes. And that like, you know, like wh however weird or specific you feel, th there are other people that feel that way. Like mm -hmm. I promise you, and you're right. Like you're not alone. None of us are <laughs> alone unless we would like to be but there's there are, we're out here and we're reaching out we want to be with you like there's room for everybody i really feel that way i do you're wearing a lovely cat suit with a yeah. lovely corset and and with your lovely shoes thanks so much you enjoy designing yourself don't you i do yes that's true what's the first thing you ever designed the first thing i ever designed 
was a pillow in fourth grade. I, my mom knows how to sew and so does my grandmother. And my mother used to like, she would, she would sew like a whole bridal parties, like, like bridesmaids dresses mm. and the wedding dress and stuff like that when I was little. And I really wanted to learn how to sew, but that was her job. She was busy, which is totally understandable. Um, however, like back then there just weren't like classes and for sewing, at least not like in that grade. And so I lied and told her I had to learn how to do something for like a school project. And I, and it was a total lie. And I did it only so she would teach me how to sew. <laughs> so I like designed this pillow basically. I mean, it was just a square pillow, but like, mm -hmm. uh, I definitely designed the whole situation so that I could, I could learn to sew. And it was just, it was like, a hand, I think it was hand stitch. Like, I'm almost positive. And, uh, then I had like a student teacher or they had like a parent teacher meeting and my mom <laughs> mentioned it to Mrs. McLeod, who was my teacher. And later my mom was like, I know you, by the way, she just offhandedly, she was like, by the way, I know you lied about that, but it's whatever. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing I ever designed. But as a grown up, it was, um, in collaboration with, um, League of Amazing Women. Mm-hmm. They wanted to develop some um, original characters and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the the owners of League of Amazing Women are also um, some of the same people from uh, FetishCon. Mm -hmm. So um, this was probably like 2005 or six or seven or something like that. And um, Mike called me and he said, hey, I heard you make costumes. Can you make some for us? And I said, absolutely, no problem. And so he said, yeah, we want some spandex, you know, costumes and their original characters. Like, can you help us, you know, kind of design them? And I said, absolutely. And I got off the phone and I called my mom and I said, what do you, um, what is your advice sewing with spandex? Because I acted like I'd done it before. I really mm -hmm. hadn't. I don't think they know this, by the way. Sorry, Mike. And uh <laughs> And I said, Mom, what's your advice for sewing with spandex? And she said, my advice is don't. <laughs> so I just figured it out. I basically, we, um, they told me, like, what the names of the characters were going to be, like, Firebird and um, um, Bella Morte. Mm -hmm. So those characters, he kind of told, he knew what he wanted, like, they knew what they wanted the color schemes to be. and um, And then I just kind of, like doodled some sketches and I'm not a very good sketch artist either. So I, but, um, yeah. So the first couple things I designed were, were costumes for league of amazing women that they still use to this day, actually mm. every now and then I'll see a, you know, like the, a clip on Twitter or something and I'll be like, I made that mm -hmm. or at the superheroine showdown. I'll be like, that's mine. I made that. That's awesome. I love it. Sewing spandex because I wear so much of it. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you have to get used to the stretch in everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can't just, if, if something breaks, you can't just, okay, I'm going to sew it up because it's going to break again. I mean, it kind of depends on the, honestly, uh, I hate to even say this because I'm superstitious, but I don't really have a problem sewing spandex. Mm. Like it is once you get, to, once you understand that it's going to stretch, mm -hmm. you kind of sew with it. It is like its own creature. But I have absolutely just sewn it back together before. Mm -hmm. But maybe it just depends on, you know, I have this very, like, long personal relationship with Spanix. So maybe that's <laughs> why. I don't know. What made you fall in love with it? You know what? I have always had a thing for Spandex. Like, I think when I was a kid, my favorite outfits were swimsuits. Mm -hmm. And then when I was a little older, um, I was on like a drill team, which is like a, I mean, sometimes they have these like fake, like rifles. I don't know mm -hmm. if I can say that, but like, and batons and stuff like that. Yeah. But we mostly had flags and I loved wearing that spandex outfit. Like it was plain. I think we even just like had a plain black one and I just thought it was gorgeous. I just, I couldn't tell you why. I don't know why. I just feel like it's a special, it's like a performance piece. Like it mm -hmm. is a performance. Like anytime you wear spandex, like you know that this is like, it's on. <laughs>
You want to hear my story yes, about it? Yes, please. Oh, my God, tell because me. Because I, I have mentioned this on the show, but as somebody else, very rarely do you meet another person who loves spandex. I really do, yeah. It's, it's a thing for me. At any time when you're wearing like a cat suit, yeah. think of your right shoulder and the fact that it's being caressed right now. Yeah, yeah. So is the part behind your knee. I'm going to, you're tickling then, me, but okay. And then your tummy. And then <laughs> it's a mindfulness exercise. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And then you realize you're being hugged every single place on your body. Well, you know what I just realized? It's almost like, you know how for pets they give them like a thunder vest? Mm-hmm. It's only just now occurring to me, like, and not just the spandex, but like the bondage too. Maybe it is like a thunder vest mm-hmm. for for humans. <laughs> I wear mine for anxiety. Oh, interesting. So that's it. Yeah. Wow. If I get home after a really rough day, I will put on spandex. Oh, really? Just to make me feel like yeah, I'm hugged because oh, I I, I do that. live by myself, mm-hmm. and so. It's it's like I want to be in a little ball and want to feel as though there's something that's protecting me. To me, it's like an armor. Yes, yes. But I love the way light plays with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this I know one, this. I obviously, can't stop. this one the, the light plays with it a lot. I can't stop staring at it. Every time you move, it's a different <laughs> color. It's amazing. But like with just with shiny nude tights mm-hmm. the way the I light will yeah. grab it yeah. and put different lines on your legs yeah. and create that beauty to me that was the original turn on but now to me it's the thing that creates the beauty of wearing it yeah that's that's really insightful actually never realized that somebody would think so much about spandex oh i oh it's it consumes like so like 50 percent of my thoughts honestly. oh wow yeah no i think about spandex a lot i think about i think about costumes i could make i think about like how to how to grow that side of my business because i love it so much and i'm so lucky to love so many different things mm-hmm. um because sometimes like being the this sounds really obnoxious, but being the face of your company can kind of like mess with you a mm-hmm. little bit. I'm sure you know oh, yeah. about this. And so sometimes you want to do something else. You want to like rotate something else in there sometimes to just kind of take a step back from it. You get kind of sick of yourself. <laughs> I do anyway. And that's why I like doing branding. I yeah. mean, I, I did a logo for you that. Which uh, I love. I love it so much. Thank you. I did one for my friend Amanda Wildfire for Castle Diabolica. I'm actually teaching a course in personal branding where Temptress Raven Eve is going to join me because I want to talk to her about how she came up with her name, her logo, the font she uses, what colors she uses. Yeah. Because all those things are very important to any model that is Mm -hmm. marketing themselves. It is. And you have to be so intentional. And being aware of the difference between how you see yourself and how other people see mm-hmm. you, like we talked about. Um, because when I, it wasn't when I first started, but it was a while ago, like a while ago, uh, like 2010 or something like that. I was working with Brainwash um, and I was talking to Simon Jerusalem and um, I was calling myself like a MILF next door. And he was like, but nobody, yeah, mm-hmm. that, right. Because in my mind, that's, Cause I'm always the mom of the group. Did you eat? Do you want some water? Mm-hmm. Are you too hot? Are you too cold? And he was like, you do have like mommy energy, but like you're, nobody sees you as a MILF. You're not, you're the girl next door, if anything. Mm-hmm. And that was so far from how I saw myself, but it was true. And you have to, how you, how your audience sees you has to be a factor in mm-hmm. how you choose some of those things. Right. She's a temptress. So she's, I'm sure it's dark colors. Mm-hmm. and She's fabulous. We talked in text a couple times, but um, then I left town and we kind of, but she's amazing. Mm-hmm. I So I want to know how that goes. I'm very curious. 
Are you teaching at FetishCon? Not to turn it around. I am bit. teaching four different classes at FetishCon. Okay, great. I am teaching Kindness and Other Kinks, which is my favorite class to yeah, teach. Yeah, I hope and I can send it on that. It's, it's amazing the impact it has on people because they come in and they're like, why do I want to take a kindness class at a kink convention? And then they leave going, now I know why I want to take it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm teaching improv for kinksters. Love where it's, it's like an intro to improv class. Uh -huh. It could be for kinksters or for anybody. But it's a really fun way to participate and learn how to take the gift that is given to you and move forward with that rather than wanting to take it your own direction. Yes, and Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and then I'm teaching the branding class. And then I have one that is the last class I'm going to teach, which is called Telling Your Story with Authenticity. And it's how to take your scenes and create journals out of it that you can share with other people that also help you reminisce about how wonderful scenes were for you. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. It's, it's like how to create a journal for yourself. I love that. Yeah, because I've, I've been fortunate enough where pretty much every scene until recently, uh, I will write about it and the emotion that it feels. And I do it from a first person perspective because people can feel it. And people, mm -hmm. I've had people say, I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. And some people go, well, John, John's just bragging. He did another. He got to, he got to play with a pro dom and get wrapped up in latex and all that. But for me, it's an experience that, A, I appreciate, so it's a thank you note to the person who played yes, with me. Yes, yeah. But B, I never want to forget it. That, yes. I 100% agree with you on that, for and sure. It also gives the gift of, I was absolutely in the moment with you for every moment that this went through. However, I've noticed that the the more and more experience I have, the less and less I remember about the scene because it takes me so much into my mm -hmm. headspace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think telling our story is important. Why do you think I do this podcast? I want to help other people tell their stories. I love that. Thank God you are. We well, needed you. you. Thank <laughs> you. So Mr. Pierre and Jam are going to make custom uh custom outfits for fetish con for me and yeah. then they were blessed enough to get a huge swimsuit supplier who says please come make things for us so i, heard that. I wasn't able to to get my custom uh outfits so now knowing me a little bit having uh -huh. met me yeah if you were to create a custom outfit for me what are some of the things that you that immediately come to mind that you would want to do with one I definitely want to accessorize you a little bit. Like I like, um, I want to figure out what kind of, what season you are or whatever. Do you know about this? Like, like cool summer, I think is my, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out actually, <laughs> but to, based on your, on your features and your skin tone and your hair and your eye color, certain colors look good on, like look the best on mm -hmm. you. And then some don't like, I look kind of not as great in totally black. I don't look as, it's mm -hmm. a, I, I look a little washed out, mm -hmm. which is a bummer to me, but it's true. So like jewel tones, I usually do okay in. So I would want to figure out what colors look the best on you, but I love this blue. So I would probably mm -hmm. start with that. But I want to, I want to make you like a, like a ruffle. I just see you in kind of a ruffle sleeve and then some kind of like like chains or something. I want some something that will move with you mm. on top of your catsuit. But I don't know how you would feel about that. That's, we would collaborate, but maybe some kind of like, like a harness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the harness. Ooh, sounds fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> like a blue suit, and then something kind of here, like sort of accentuate your stature. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, I see you in uh, some kind of. Uh, like chain harness almost. Mm. I, I sense like a jingling as you move. I'm going just purely intuitively. So like, stop me if you're if I'm on no, the wrong I'm road. It. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't enjoy that? Okay, <laughs> I'm flattered. I'm glad that's how you feel, Liz. Um, I can't. As I said, I can't get over the wonderful heart and personality that you have. 
I'm blushing you. Um, Thank you. Well, I'm going to make you blush a little more then. <laughs> um, I find that I have connections with so many of my guests. I bet. And it's because you get to talk to them in a very intimate way. Yeah. Um, I believe in, like you do, but I believe in a concept called simply love which is there is not a finite amount of love in someone. It's infinite. Agree. Agree. And you can create very special connections with a number of different people without ever taking. I agree. I believe in that. Love away from somebody else. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. So it goes without saying that when we first started talking and I know you will know that this is in the, in the proper way, I was like, wow, I could fall in love here. <laughs> and and I'm blushing now. <laughs> but you are such a phenomenally kind, beautiful from the inside personality that I don't think I've met somebody like you in a while. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm Thank saying you. this here on video, and it's not, it's not to, I, and I hope you don't feel pressure by me saying this, but you're just, I wish there were more people in the world like you. Thank you. Because people like me would feel like there's hope if there was. There is hope. We can, we can turn this whole thing around. Like people like you and me, for real. Thank you for saying that, though. It's so, it's so interesting because I really don't feel like I'm that nice. <laughs> you're not nice. You're kind. Oh, thank you. It's definitely it's it's my goal. Like I think there's room for everybody, and you know, I I just it doesn't take that much. I feel like to just be patient and kind and understanding. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just fortunate to have that mindset, but. I think it goes a long way. FetishCon is going to be so much fun for both of us. I'm so excited. I have so many new outfits and stuff. I have new <laughs> ideas. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, this is my red carpet outfit for I, Thursday. I actually think this might be mine too. Like in front of the meet and greet, I think this is mm -hmm. mine as well. So you'll find us. We'll look like this. <laughs> we'll look fabulous. Yeah, we will. Liz, thank you for being with me. Thanks so much for asking me. I couldn't be more honored and touched, and I hope we get to do it again somehow. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. For Liz River, I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> what women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free.